Pisa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by a name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays, and joining me tonight to recap actual football is Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Actual football. I don't have to watch any 90s Cowboys film on YouTube and throw them up for some likes on Twitter. So this was great. Woke up at 4.30 inadvertently and beat my uh, fiance who, who had to wake up early for a job and actually beat her and couldn't go back to sleep to watch today. I kept trying to make myself go back to bed because I'm typically up around 7 a.m. every day just because of the dog. And I was like, I have to go back to sleep. I have to try to sleep more. I'm going to be so tired by 11 o'clock because I'm 33 years old and cannot stay up past 1030 anymore. But we're here. It's 11 p.m. Central Time. We are recording to recap all of the week one action. It was wild. I don't know about you, but I am definitely not in midseason shape when it comes to watching the games. I was completely overwhelmed. I got another TV from my living room, so I have three. So I had the four box going, the red zone, and then the Bears game in the bottom during the early slate, and I was not prepared. It was just way too much. I felt like I was just swimming from like the first play. Oh, I know. I, w- I was overwhelmed. That's the only word to describe. I, you know, l- like you said, my legs were not in shape. My eyes and brain weren't in shape. I was trying to watch five games at once, and it was like, okay, let's just let's just start with one. And what my my first world problem right here was. All right, so I have I was streaming a Sunday ticket through my Xbox, but then my local blackout channel was the two games I wanted to watch, which was Green Bay and oh, Minnesota, no. and then the afternoon game was Tampa Bay New Orleans. So I had to que- keep switching inputs so that was my first world problem of the day so we're gonna we're gonna have to you know it was week one you know we're working out the working out the kinks but we'll get there and i'll see how it goes from there so there are a lot of games to sift through but we're gonna start with some of this week's headlines let's start with the game that we just finished watching sunday night football the los angeles rams with a fairly impressive home win to open their new stadium against the cowboys let's just preface every conversation we're going to have tonight with it's week one. We're going to calm down. They average, just take everything with like a huge block of salt the size of your fist because we can't learn a lot from this week. But I still think that there are still plenty of things to take away. I think you can read some things into what happened and that's approach. You know, some guys, we if you show what they're capable of, I think that's important. So let's just start with a pretty simple question here. When you kind of are processing what happened on Sunday night, are you more impressed with the, what the Rams did or are you disappointed in what the Cowboys did? What side of that line do you kind of come down on? I'd say I'm more impressed with what the Rams did. Uh, I, I thought, you know, McVay's McVay. I mean, it, it was cool to see him, you know, throwing some fastballs again today and, and really, you know, letting golf eat and, you know, putting the training wheels on him as he does. But I mean, those were, that means he's scheming up stuff and seeing what he needs to see. And I mean, the play action screen game was great. And I thought the defense was really impressive against a great Cowboys unit, even with they, they were out uh, the right tackle, L Collins. But I mean, they were, that's a still a really good unit and they really performed well. So yeah, I would say it's more the Rams did real well as opposed to the Cowboys did bad. I, I think the Cowboys will work out some kinks from that, and they have a lot of they do have a lot of new new pieces. Even though they do have some continuity, there are some. There's Alton Smith on the line. You know, those are new pieces that they still have to mesh out, and there's injuries. So, I, I think it's more of a Rams impressive day than a Cowboys bad one. I tend to agree. I think that the Cowboys offense will figure it out. I feel like the offensive line injuries did affect them. You know, that right side was kind of caving in, especially on that last drive. But I think throughout the game, you you could see that kind of pop up a little bit. Those, I, I, the approach by the Rams, I I was a lot of encouraging stuff. I think that it's an exact type of game plan you want to see with Goff. I thought he looked really good. 
You know, he made the throws that were there. You know, when he has time, when he's working within the structure of the offense, he can really look good. I mean, he delivered a couple balls. The one to Van Jefferson was beautiful. I mean, he had a couple of those today. I like the screen game. I like they're mixing it up in the run game a little bit. You know, running some more power runs. They're pulling guys. I think that's what you saw from Shanahan last year. It was like the next iteration of this offense where you're mixing in those power gap runs with some of those zone runs because teams are trying to stop you outside. They're going to be playing laterally. You want to play downhill. I think the Rams did a decent job of that today. And the screen game, that went away with them. You know, Outside of what Gurley did when he was really at his best, they didn't go to that a lot last year. I think they were near the bottom of the league in running back screen. So them kind of folding that back in, having some layoffs for Goff. And their defense was better than I thought it was going to be. You know, Jalen Ramsey played well, but you know, this was a really unknown unit. And I think that they came and played against a really good Dallas offense and kind of acquitted themselves well. So uh, the Rams are going to be in it to me in, in terms of being yep. a wild card team, everything else. And I think this is the exact version of that team you'd want to see. Yeah, I, I I was high on the Rams going into the season. Of course, I sound like a Johnny come lately now after week one of that <laughs> performance. But I was. I, I, I do believe in McVay. And I mean, he did that, you know. He got a new D coordinator instead of Wade Phillips for a reason. And so, you know, and, you know, that was a nice performance from the defensive coordinator. And also, it's some of those things where it's like you remember what McVay likes and what he wants. We were talking a lot about 12 personnel and how they might transition to that this year. And then you remember, oh, yeah, every time these last two and a half years or before, you know, Cooper Cup and the injuries ran Cooks last year was that. They want to be an 11 personnel every snap. And then yeah. they drafted Van Jefferson in the second round. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He really, really wants to be in, in 11 personnel every single snap. So that's one of those things I really want to see the numbers after the game. Once once it's all broken down, how the personnel is broke down. I just really excited to see how it broke down on film as well. Like you mentioned, all the, the new runs and as teams are trying to go into that six one and make it across the board with those zone runs and stop that zone zone running scheme they're trying to make it unbalanced with how they're attacking it with windback stuff with the receiver coming around and counters or pullers or gap stuff and they're trying to make it an unbalanced look with pulling stuff to create new gaps because teams are trying to go okay you want to go zone on us this is what we're going to do we're just going to take away all your angles and all the cloth you can have so it's cool that like you said it's the next iteration of this rams offense just like shanahan has done that and it's it's fun stuff and i'm, I'm really excited to see how the rams offense keeps progressing and see how if van jefferson gets more um more looks in this offense he's fun i think he's going to be really good i just he's like good. savvy route runners it seems like he's somebody you can just drop in it's going to be effective right away so the fourth down decision by the cowboys they're down by three they choose to go forward on fourth and three down near the goal line they don't get it where do you come down on that decision because for me i go for it there every time if you you need to score twice even yep. if you tie the game there you still need to score to win again and I just don't know if you're going to be in a better spot than that. So I have absolutely no issue with it. And when we did the NFC East preview with Shield, you know, one of the strengths of this team and one of the reasons I was excited about the Cowboys is that Jason Garrett was no longer there to make the conservative choices that often held them back. And I want them to be this sort of team. And being this sort of team every once in a while means it's not going to work out. But I love the process and I hate the fact that McVay didn't go for it on fourth and one for midfield when he could have iced the game away. It was an interesting day. I think there were 30 or 29 plays today where teams went forward on fourth down that weren't Neal's. And it was a mixed bag in terms of the results, but I do like more teams embracing that. I have no issue with the Cowboys going for it in that spot. Me either. It, you, it's process, not results. You know, And I like the process. Be aggressive. Their, their strength of that team is their offense. So you're betting on your offense, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, if you're not going to bet on them there and you can't assume you're going to have another drive, like you said, a better situation, you can't assume that that's going to come up again. And, and also it's one of those things that's funny that you mentioned that, okay, the McVay here didn't go for it on fourth and one. And you remember a few years ago when the Rams were rolling, made their Super Bowl run, they had that huge win in Seattle where Seattle calls a timeout on fourth and one Rams were going to punt. And then McVay gets talked into going for it. And I think they've run a QB sneak with Goff. I think it might've been a fourth and two. And it's funny, like it's just how confidence is a hell of a thing, not just a, a player, but a team, a unit, and a play caller. What did you see from Dallas if you saw anything that worried you? Was there anything? I mean, we talked, they're going to figure this out. They have enough talent. They're probably going to be fine. Was there anything to you that kind of gave you pause? And it's like, I don't know about that. This is something that if it continues is troubling to me. 
you know, I, I, I really want to see it again, but it, it looked stagnant still. And that, that was a complaint when Linehan was there and Kellen Moore as much, you know, I really like Kellen and stuff and it, but he's come, he's a Linehan guy and from those offenses. And it just looked very similar to what we've seen before from the Cowboys. So CD lamb had a couple of nice plays. So I'm really excited to maybe take another gander at it. And maybe if there are new tweaks or is it just more of the same and they're just betting on their talent out talenting you. Um, it's, it's, Again, like you said, it's a block assault. It, it, I really, I think the Cowboys are going to be fine offensively. It's just one of those things. It might not, Rams might, played with their hair on fire tonight, brand new stadium, even though there's no f- fans there. It's still cool, <laughs> you know? So it's it's one of those things that maybe we'll see in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it's a TBD decision uh, answer for me from the Cowboys. The only thing to me is if guys keep getting hurt. They lost yeah. Van Der Esch early in this game. We already talked about the right tackle situation. I mean, if they don't get Lyle Collins back relatively soon, you know, if the fringes of this team kind of start falling apart and you're relying on guys that are, you know, two, three deep down the depth chart, they're not deep. They they cannot withstand injuries in, way, in the way that some of these other really good teams can. So if they're going to lose guys, especially in the middle of the defense, which is part of their issue last year, then I think it's something to worry about. But right now, I, I do believe they're going to figure it out. I just think they're yeah. too good not to. And that pass interference goes the other way, and then oh, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, I mean, that's, yeah, you know, Gallup, it's one play. Yeah, so. that's. I mean, it's a, and I did not love that call. I thought that, that was yeah. pretty. That was pretty weak. I mean, it's but Jalen Ramsey, a good cornerback and a very good actor. So good for him. <laughs> All right, let's get to the other kind of marquee game of the week, and that's the Saints and the Bucks. I. I mean, we have two legendary quarterbacks going at it here. I was not impressed with either one. Also, incredibly weird to see Tom Brady in a uh, Bucks uniform. There were some good ones today. Like when I saw Todd Gurley running the ball for the Falcons, I was like, this is bizarre. But the Brady one definitely took the cake. What were your first impressions, not only of how he played, but just the way that offense looked with him in there? I, you know, I thought it would be maybe a little more Brady influence in what they do. Yeah, but Arians just Arians just did what he does. <laughs> I mean, it's it's exactly the same as what he's done in 2015 with the Cardinals, last year with the Bucks. I mean, it's the same offense for better or for worse. I I the one positive I really liked, I love the synergy that he's gonna have with uh with Godwin. I thought that was gonna be great from the jump too. I, I just yeah. it was a little shaky today, but it just feels like they're made for each other. Yes. He's like a supercharged version of the players he's good with. He's like if Julian Edelman was on steroids, not actual steroids, but you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. He took the Mario mushroom and it was just Yeah, yes, perfect. Perfect. I know Godwin had a really nice route. I tweeted about it, but they uh he had a sale route where he won with the guy and and Brady trusted him the whole time. So it was cool that Brady was looking there and knew he was going to win. So that just showed me. He was like, hey, I, he has faith in this guy. Otherwise, Brady's not a guy that's going to go like, hey, please win this route. Hopefully you win it. He's he If he thinks you're going to win it, he's he really thinks he's going to win it. I thought it was kind of cool. He was trying Mike Evans. Mike Evans got his teeth bashed in by Lattimore today. Um, I mean, that was a rough go. I mean, the one play before, you know, kind of got out of hand that, even Evans hit with was the offensive or the defensive PI Lattimore came on a corner blitz. So it wasn't even against Lattimore that that happened. The saints defense was definitely the story of this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that they played so well and it's just a reminder beyond the star power, just how many guys they have on that team and they can affect the game. I mean, Lattimore was fantastic on Evans. He essentially blanked in the entire game until it was over. But then you just have guys like Trey Hendrickson making plays, Cam Jordan making plays outside of Brady kind of being a little bit shaky and the offense not looking very comfortable, Donovan Smith is going to be a problem if they're going to try to play this way. I mean, he got worked over a couple different times. I thought Worfs actually played pretty well against Cam Jordan when he had to deal with him, but I thought Smith did not, and there were a couple plays where he stuck out. I was wondering kind of coming in, would Brady be able to mitigate some of that, some of the issues they have in pass protection or have had because the way they play, and that just didn't happen. So how that works out over the course of the season will be interesting. But yeah, I was not very impressed with how the Bucks played on offense today. Yeah, and like you said with Donovan Smith, it's and with what Arians does, it's such an aggressive offense that you know Brady is going to take those licks that maybe he's not used to. Exactly. And, and and with Donovan Smith over there, I mean, he's holding on the ball a lot. And not only with the pressure that's going to happen, how aggressive it is downfield. And if Brady, Brady is his arm strength's okay, I'll say. It's not what it was. He's never been exceptional, but he's been good. Like he throws a beautiful deep ball and he's accurate. 
But it seemed to me that some of these, even on the pick six, those throws, Brady can't make a single mistake. He can't be late on them. He can't miss inside. There's so much less room for error than, I mean, he had some room for error maybe with some of the throws that he used to have to make. And this offense, that is, I mean, it's it's built on these explosive plays that are trying to gash defenses, but it's it's you know, no balls, new blue, new blue chips. Like, you know, it's it's maybe Brady's not used to that and pushing it downfield as much as he's going to have to. So I think it's I, I, I want to see. I really want to see what this offense because it's 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 interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's just I mean, it's going to take a, a little while. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you have so many moving pieces, it's something new for him schematically. I'm sure that there is a comfort that's going to kind of emerge over time, but it doesn't look like it's there now. Janoris Jenkins had the pick six. He's another guy that just he, he makes plays. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. the guy you can drop into that defense to kind of create some chaos. I thought that, you know, Marcus Williams had the other pick. He's another guy. It's just all the, all over the place with this team. Tomorrow Davis had a sack. I mean, at every level, they have people that can make stuff happen. So I think the Bucks' offense will look better against worse defenses. I mean, this group, yeah. I think, is underrated. And at their best, I think, can really give you problems. On the other side, I mean, the Saints score 34 points, but that's a misleading number. I mean, Breeze had negative EPA on the day as a passer. He averaged less than five air yards per attempt. It was the second lowest number of the week. I mean, this offense did not have anything going down the field. And I'm not sure if that's just the way they want to play, how they thought they had to attack this Bucks team. I mean, we're going to find that out over time. But if they're this dink and dunk you know, no chunk plays whatsoever. The only real ones they had are the bullshit PI on Murphy Bunting that was not pass interference on that throw to Emmanuel Sanders and the chunk to Cook down the left sideline. Other than that, they had nothing where they kind of flipped the field all at once. And I just think that's a really difficult way to play, even if Drew Brees is your quarterback. Yes, I, I agree. It's built on efficiency. And the thing is, when you're built on efficiency in the passing game, is the quarterback can't make a mistake. It's, it's, he's, everything has to be accurate and all the reads have to be perfect. Breeze is going to have the right read. I mean, it's very seldom he is ever fooled. But if his arm isn't, we're seeing like usual week nine Breeze arm, week 10 Breeze arm in week one. And that's terrifying. That, that's that, like, Because that is the one thing. Uh, when I was, I picked this team to win the Super Bowl. And one of the reasons that I picked this team to win the Super Bowl is that I just thought there were, if you played the season a thousand times, they were going to be good more than any other team in the NFC. Just because of how deep they were and how many contingency plans they have. But if we're starting the year and we're already concerned about how live Drew Brees' arm is, where are we going to be by December? If you are a Saints fan, that is a horrifying proposition that we're already going to be having this, I don't know, how does Drew Brees look? And we're sitting here on September 12th. I mean, that is not a good thing. And especially as as the weather gets colder and they're playing outdoors. I mean, it's going to get exponential. Yeah, it's not a fast track in week one. And we're indoor. (laughs) They've had some issues in week one in terms of stopping people. During the Peyton era, where the defense has come back a little bit, remember that terrible game they played against Minnesota early in the year? I mean, I mean Sam Bradford just Buc- went off, and but the, the Bucks, Bucks last year. <laughs> so it's that typically they can lose in Week One, but on the fast track, I expected them to look good, and they just didn't. There wasn't a lot happening. I was impressed with the Bucks defense, though. I thought that yep. Devin White was flying around. I thought Murphy Bunting was too. I thought they did a great job on those plays in front of them of cleaning stuff up. Kamara did some stuff during the goal line, but overall, I thought they did a decent job for a good chunk of the game. But the game plan for the Saints essentially was like, we're going to throw it underneath, we're going to break tackles, and that's who we're going to be. And that can work in spurts. That can work when you have short fields like they did for most of this game. But for a 16-game season, when that offense is supposed to be high-powered and explosive, eh, I don't know. I'm going to need to see more than I did on Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things too against the Bucks, and they're so aggressive on third down. The Bucks defense is too, and they're they're. I think you brought up the point that they're uh, when we were talking or uh, I was reading your notes is that they were so good on first and second down. That's where they're built. They're making you get in those third and longs, and they're so aggressive. And they, when you're going against Breeze and what they're trying to do and throw short, it's not a great matchup with it. And I actually don't even know what the third down stats ended up for uh, ended up for the Saints, but that is something. It's just it's the bug. It played into the Bucks' hands. A little bit as far as defensively versus the Bucks' offense, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see as the season goes on how how, how it unfolds. All right. So every Sunday night, we're gonna have a bunch of different segments. After we kind of kick out the big stories, we're gonna talk about who won the week. You know, not necessarily in the biggest games, just the personalities that really kind of took hold on Sunday. So that's what we're gonna do now, Nate. For you, who won Week One? 
I'll say Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels. Okay. Uh, All right. I like it. Yes. And, and I think McDaniels finally got what he wanted when he drafted Tim Tebow in Denver when he was the head coach <laughs> there. So I think he finally Ten years got, later, it finally yes. pays off. It was a Florida quarterback, but it was via different. It ended up at Auburn, but you know he just he just got Tim Tebow's backup. So as opposed to the actual Tim Tebow and as a righty. So, but I I mean, but it was awesome. I they actually used Cam way more than I even thought. I thought he was going to maybe have five six. I was carries. shocked, shocked. He carried the ball fifteen times. Fifteen times. I thought it was going to be like six. Oh man! But it, and but how they used him, it was like oh my god. Of course they use him in the. It's the Patriots. So you're going to use them exactly how he should be used. High you know Belichick is just, he's loving this. You know loving Belichick this. is loving this. This is oh just, I mean, it's the fact that he gets to play this throwback, like option-esque offense. He, he's been waiting to do this for so long. I'm sure he, he could win every game 20 to 10 for the rest of the season, and he'd be in the best mood all the time. Oh, he's a sag. This game went like I think this was his probably his favorite game he's ever coached. Like he was just like, <laughs> oh, this is what it's like. I mean, so one of the things with I mean with Cam, what they're doing, I mean the typical runs we see with the Cam, but then they run just like a naked, a uh, lonesome, a uh, lonesome bootleg where it's just Cam on his own. They're not blocking anybody, and he runs it in for a touchdown. It was the same play that Brissett scored on a couple years ago. When, yeah, and that was, yes. It was so it's so interesting that. Because when they signed Cam, I think a lot of people went straight to that Jacoby Brissett game from that Thursday night against Houston. Mm -hmm. And I think that some people were probably like, I don't know if we're going to make that sort of jump immediately where they're really using him like that. Like, that's just too easy. But this is one of the, of all the versions of the Patriots offense that could have existed when they signed Cam, this was one of them. This run heavy, this is what we're going to do play action all the time they use 80 percent of their plays in the first half with the play action or runs and that's what they are that's exactly what they did i mean i thought this was possible but i even was surprised and kind of a little bit shocked about how drastic they went in that direction yeah it, it's their own version of what the ravens are doing it, it's yes. just their own patriots version with a little bit of what cam did in carolina with shula and the and the turners and it's it's really fun. I mean, it really is. They play to his strengths, and it's fun when Cam Newton plays to his strengths because they're they're pretty strong. And I mean, the the play action stuff was a little more vertical than the quick. I mean, they did the typical I formation play action that they have done all these years with Tom Brady, but then they did more that was more vertical hitting. And I I noticed they did how much they wanted to hybrid this and make it comfortable for Cam. They've used Cam's cadence that he is using in Carolina. They didn't use what they've oh, used in New England for the last two decades. How they is it used, different? Uh, so typical red 80, ready, ready to go. You know, that's just a typical Patriots one or typical NFL cadence. Cam's is the, because they wanted to hybrid it from what he was using at Auburn. He just goes, ready, and then go, or whatever their word is. But he holds that's it. That's really funny. And I was like, okay, but that showed me, though, that they are willing to hybrid and adapt their stuff to Cam. They are not square pegging, square peg round holding this. And I was really, I mean, I know it's a little small thing, just something little cadence. No, that's so telling, though. But because even like yes. language and, and tiny details like that to kind of make things comfortable and really ease transitions, I think is a mark of a really good, smart, open-minded coaching staff. So, no, I think that's super interesting. Are you at all kind of concerned about just how... Because when I was thinking about this team and their ceiling, I figured the ceiling would be defined by their inability to find big plays in the passing game, just by virtue of their personnel, everything else. They don't have that guy. And I know Edelman dropped a deep dig over the middle on one of their first drives. That would change some of these numbers. But Cam had 5.3 air yards per attempt in this game. And that's my concern, is they're going to have this physical, run-heavy offense where Cam is heavily featured, but they're not going to be able to gash you in the passing game. And that's exactly what they were today. So do you think that's just a product of week one, the, the the game, what they knew they needed to do to win? Or do you think that that might show up as we continue throughout the season? I think it'll show up. They need Nikhil Harry to make a leap. They do. I mean, that is, that's going to unlock the offense. I know. And that's what I mean. That's <laughs> yeah. If we're going, if we're going at that we're, point. We're making bold plays here. Exactly. And, but that's what they need. They need a dice roll to hit. And it's they need somebody to step up and take a leap that they're not expecting because in I think what you saw today is their ideal version of a game plan and I think really the Patriots will always adapt especially after the four weeks especially after the bye weeks they yada yada, yada we, they have books on it but I think that 
they that is going to be their Achilles heel is once they get to against a really good defense that can just sit is that are they and they're really built for it though is that the Patriots defense is so good but they're going to get in these ugly games they might lose some games 13-7 but I think they're fine with it I think they're fine with just uglying it up and staying in every ball game and there might be some games where Cam just has that magic and just you know carries them to a victory on offense where they score 20 points you know and it's all Cam I think they're fine with it and they're just going to ride with them do you know who also is going to love this? Patriots beat writers because they're going to be at the stadium for two hours and 15 minutes every single week if they keep playing Amazing. like this. <laughs> Amazing. They, they, I mean, they they, just, they, it, the games are going to be so short. And it's, they, I mean, I, they there was 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter of that game and no other game was had five minutes or less in the third quarter. Like it it's was fantastic. like they were the game was I felt at home as a Wisconsin guy. I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is what I'm used to right here. I'm used to like these two hour. It's like Greg Maddox pitching. I'm just used to these two hour games. And we're good. All right. Let's stick with former MVP quarterbacks, because for me, Aaron Rodgers won the week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're, we're how far removed. So the draft was in April. So we're not even six months removed from the Packers drafting a first a quarterback in the first round of the draft and not adding a single receiver. And Aaron Rodgers is like, all right, fine. F you. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, he looked like Aaron Rodgers. The laser to Adams at the pylon was just ridiculous. The man is 36 years old. I just don't understand that. And then the deep one. Uh, to Valdez Scantling, I mean, it's a beautiful throw. And beyond that, we knew this offense could have that kind of vertical element. We talked about it in our NFC North preview. They had these long striders that could push the ball down the field. What really impressed me about their approach on offense was how they were getting stuff horizontally. They had Lazard on that little jet sweep. I mean, Adams was doing a lot of stuff underneath. They really did move the ball efficiently and easily. I mean, Rodgers had those shots down the field, and they really were trying to get some chunks, but they also had some layups, and I was concerned about where those layups were going to come from. Obviously, a young Minnesota secondary, but I think you could not have asked for anything more from an offense that I think a lot of people had questions about than what we saw from the Packers today. I like I, it's a great point. It's it's exactly what you wanted to see. They they knew their matchup strengths and they attacked them over and over and over. And that's like we just talked about earlier. You know, it's it's a sign of a good coaching staff or a sign of a good game plan. So that was really really encouraging to see. Um, I'm glad you brought up the the jet sweep touch passes. That was I mean they hit that at least several times. Uh, it was twice on the first drive, I believe. I mean that first drive was really nice. They threw a little bit of everything at them. They had some typical Rodgers plays as far as you know uh, adapting at the line, but then they also just had you know some you could see the Lafleur uh, uh, fingerprints on some of the stuff, and then also you saw the jet sweep passes in that drive too. That was really cool. And I mean going i just wrote my note was rogers blacked out in those two minute drills and <laughs> i mean that's he, he did i mean the 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 adams td was unbelievable and then the mvs uh i mean it was like a pat and go ball it looked like a warm-up it was so easy but it was so cool that we saw the ad-lib touchdown and then we saw the into pocket touchdown so it was like and okay, that's what it wasn't you need just, as long as you're you blending need. those two things yes. that's what's important that touch yes. the mvs touchdown looked like they're probably in quarters coverage and he just ran past them is that that's what you saw it. Yeah. So when you're when you're sitting there and you know you have a young corner and in quarters when you're lined up like that it's essentially you know it's man it's more or less man in that spot is that just the decisiveness where he's like I know if I just go I'm gonna have a young guy that's probably not willing to commit as fast as I am. So it wouldn't be the one read if you go one two three on a progression it's the alert it's gotcha. hey okay alert this and usually an alert's a post or a go or you know something and it's always so funny as coaches talk out of both sides of their mouth they're like hey you know that's just an alert now that's not number one but then when you don't throw it they're just like hey yeah you, you know that you got to alert that you know and it's <laughs> it's just the classic coach cop out it just gives them a bailout but yeah that's and that's what it was and that's when you know rogers is feeling it is he was like screw it i'm going to the alert i'm not checking this down like you know typically vertical actions against quarters you know if it's four verticals i don't know what the exact concept was but say it's four verticals against four deep dbs usually you're going to check that down unless you hit a bender in inside and Rodgers was feeling it so you know he threw that in rhythm it was not hesitating it was like okay yeah he he was blacked out at that point <laughs> let's get to somebody else who is also absolutely feeling it today and that is your boy Russell Wilson I don't know if he won the week but he definitely deserves honorable mention 
Russell Wilson had more than 20 EPA as a passer today. 20, <laughs> which definitely was number one in the league. And it's just a reminder, I think, watching them today about how good he is, first of all. Because I don't think we really think about it enough. I mean, in Mike Sando's quarterback tiers, he was right there with Mahomes. He is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFC and probably the best, second best quarterback in the league. And when he's playing the way they did today, they just don't need much else to go right for them to be a true contender. And you had Jamal Adams making some plays. You had the, the receiving core do some stuff. I mean, Wilson played about as well as he's going to today. And I just don't know what else you need to see from this team than what they showed today for you to be really afraid of them if you're another NFC contender. Yeah, I mean, he had as many incompletions as he had touchdowns. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, it's, yeah, I mean, it, that's... You can't ask for a better week one performance from them. I mean, the touchdown to DK Metcalf. I mean, that Russell's going to give his guys chances. And That's he, exactly what the, I expected from them offensively. Yeah, that when I'm yeah. just kind of picturing them and envisioning it, that just kind of deep vertical, yep. hit it, let it go. That's exactly yep. what I assumed they would be. And it's just so cool to kind of watch those two things melt together, your expectations and the results. I would say the term touchdown to check down, but the check down is Russell's legs. It's yeah. okay. If you, if yeah, if you want to go vertical and take it over, okay, cover us deep. All right. Russell's Russell ran three times for 29 yards. I mean, <laughs> pick your poison and, or it's him scrambling around and uh, you got four gas DBs deep. And then there's, you know, there's Lockett running around underneath, which he did a few times. And that's what, you know, Falcons defense looked how they've looked the last few years. I mean, they struggled with extended plays. They, you know, it's just in the against the pass against any talented QB, they're going to have their issues. And Russell made him pay. See, that was the ideal version of this Seahawks offense. This is it, absolutely you know, Seahawks Twitter had nothing to complain about today. So, <laughs> which is a change, which is a change. I, so we're good. The Metcalf touchdown, obviously, it's speed to beat them, beat somebody. But you watched how much strength plays a part in a receiver's game because he just—I can't remember who was playing corner on that play, but he just Oliver. threw him off. Oliver was just, and Oliver's not small either. No. And he just he threw him aside, and he was totally off balance. I think we just don't talk about how much being strong helps you as a receiver because having that initial separation, yeah, quickness is good to be able to get releases. But also, if you just want to shove a guy out of your way, you can do that too. My favorite play of the day, though, I don't know if you saw this one. The one that Russell hit, he was kind of moving around in the pocket a little bit. He never got settled, and he kind of turned his body to throw back left to lock it that one on the left sideline at the end of the third quarter, it, it says it's one, it's just a ridiculous play. But my favorite part about it is it really kind of shows off what I believe makes him physically exceptional. And that's how much balance he has and the way he can rotate his body. It's why he has such good arm strength, even though he's small, because he has such incredible torque. But to be able to kind of reset yourself and have that control and balance on the move, I think is what makes him physically just a different quarterback than a lot of other guys. Yeah, and and with him, and if you ever see his throwing style, he almost throws it like a person that looks like he's throwing a dart, where both of his hips get turned as he's throwing. Yep, and he's throwing like a dart as opposed to the left shoulder forward, like a pitcher or something like yep, that. That's exactly and, right. And and so him throwing on the move, he's just like, ah, oh, I do this every rep anyway, so that's nothing. I mean, he's the greatest guy I've ever seen throwing on the move. Oh, Rogers, I mean, but Russell's up there. But Rogers and, is very similar. Rogers yes. is so good at just that upper body control to be able to kind of get your shoulders square, and he does such a good job. And that's how they create power, but it's also just how they create accuracy when they're doing that. And I just think we don't talk enough about how Wilson gets the most out of his body because that's really to me where he's physically exceptional is just the balance he has and his ability to kind of play under control while on the move yeah and you know i want to talk about that what you said with oliver and dk too and it's the series before on a third down oliver kind of punked dk uh metcalf and got him on a third down and they were physical and they're fighting and it's actually kind of fun i'm i mean it TVs were able to be more physical years and years ago, and then they changed the rules after the Manning uh, Manning Patriots game and the two thousands. Uh, but then it's fun how physical these guys are getting. It, it's it's the the physicality between corners and receivers has picked up. We saw it in the Bucks Saints game as well. But we saw Oliver Olson. He he punks DK. It's the third down. They get off the field, hooting and holler. And that next series, DK got him back. So it was it was cool to see the competitiveness competitiveness of Metcalf because he might not be that guy that comes up, gets a ball, and is all fired up. He's more of a just like I'm a quiet competitive dude. It was really cool to all of a sudden he just goes, all right, you got me, but I got you for a score and we're good. Last thing about the Seahawks, I cannot wait 
to watch Jamal Adams on a good team all year. He was yeah. everywhere. I know. I, I mean, just and and moving around before the snap and just getting into the backfield, playing on the edge of the line of scrimmage, covering Julio Jones. I mean, that guy, you can tell how much fun he is going to have being in the mix on a real team this year because I mean, he just jumped off the screen from the start of that game. Yeah, and it was so good that they're using him how he should be used. Totally. Yeah, as, opposed, yep. as opposed, we talk about good coaching. That was a good job by them to just go, hey, you're really good at it. We like to be in cover three basically every play. No, let's bring you. We're, we're doing stuff with you, and it worked. So that that was that was really Because cool I had see. my concerns about that. When you are dropped into a different defense with a coaching staff who's not necessarily as open to be like, all right, just cause havoc. And when they have really a structure that they tend to follow, that was a question mark for me. And to see him in different spots, being able to affect the game in different ways, it's important, one, to get the most out of him. But also, because like I was saying before, they don't need a lot. If Russell's going to play like this, you just need splash plays every once in a while from guys on that side of the ball. Like one or two plays can swing a game for you when your quarterback is that good. It's the exact formula with the Chiefs fall. The Chiefs defense, <laughs> top to bottom, is not good. They do not have talent at all 11 spots, but they have two or three guys, whether it's Clark or Chris Jones or Tyron Matthew, that can fuck the game up in a hurry. And that's yep. exactly what Adams is. And I just love that chaos creator when you have that foundation that's built on your quarterback. I, I just think that those kind of those swirling things uh, that like orbit around your quarterback are so important. And that's exactly what Adams is to me. Yeah, they're they're built to go on runs. It's like it's like a yep. basketball team that fast breaks and presses. They're built to go on runs, and it's like it's all of a sudden touchdown, get the ball back, touchdown, get the ball. And uh, yeah, and all of a sudden it's they just score fourteen it, take points. It. It. That honestly yeah. is so true though, because there were moments today where I was watching, and I'm like, how did they get the ball back? <laughs> Like, oh my I, they god! Just had it constantly. I, yeah. And I mean, the Falcons offense was fine. I mean, Ryan threw for a bunch of yards, but it still felt like the Seahawks were in such complete control. And it almost was like a game of one on one where it's make it take it, and they constantly had it. It's a really good yeah. comparison, actually. Yeah. And that's, that's All right. One more guy. Of. One more guy who it won the week in a bunch of different ways. Definitely has to be mentioned here a little bit. DeAndre Hopkins. Makes a bunch of money, first of all, which, you know, good for him. Definitely deserves it. The Texans look like look terrible on offense without him. I mean, clearly Awful. they I think there there are issues go way beyond not having DeAndre Hopkins. But if you're gonna if you're new Hopkins, you're sitting there looking at and looking at that game, and I'm sure you're enjoying it with like a perverse smile on your face. And also, huge day today. So you wanted to talk about this. And I was not impressed by the Cardinals offense overall. We can talk about that a little bit, but Nuke had a huge game. So just in terms of his skill set fitting into what the Cardinals want to do offensively. How did you kind of see those things meld your first chance of getting to see him in that uniform? Yeah, I, I really want to say it was Mike Leach had the line, but you know, it probably was or how mummy and they're talking about the air raid offense and how they would run the same concepts every year, mesh and four verts and all the stuff and how their stats would be different every year about who had the most catches with that concept. And I think it, this might've been a Chris Brown story from smart football. And all of a sudden he just said the ball, finds the player like it just kind of does like the ball is going to find the player the ball found the player today <laughs> uh you know he ended up with 14 catches on 16 targets and it's crazy I, I i agree with you and no one else had more than five targets i'm looking at it right now so he had 11 more targets than the next highest guy which is ridiculous and and i i, I agree with you i i wasn't it wasn't it was some of it was kyler go do something some of it was, it was a I, lot of that yeah, and that you might need that against San Fran, and I get that against their defense and their defensive front, but you know that's a little worrisome too. But it's week one, and last year the Cardinals really adapted. I, I've mentioned a few times, you know, Cliff has impressed me. He's not just an air raid coach; he's a creative coach. And even today, it was funny because you could see some of the stuff he ran in the first four weeks last year, and the stuff he ran in the last four weeks last year. And he kind of like started week one with both of them. And so, but I'm really, I was, I wanted this last year. One of my big negatives with that offense was pressures can make them throw quick and uh, just because of how they would do hot routes and also, you know, lack of vertical attacking. And I, I thought that would be more because of the O line. And I thought with a year shoring up the protections, maybe modernizing them a little bit. Uh, because I think some of their old line schemes was a little, I wouldn't say archaic or, or, or ancient, but it was more what they've worked in maybe in the air raids of past. And they kind of, after the New Orleans game last year, they modernized them a little bit as the season went on. I just thought they would attack vertically more. They were really let, getting squatted on a little bit. 
And Seattle's kind of or Seattle's San Fran is kind of fine with that with that Seattle type defense with cover three. They're built to make you check down. So I want to I want to see how they, this offense looks in a couple of weeks against different opponents. That's a really good opponent that they still they still beat. And I mean Kyler was unbelievable. That touchdown run was so impressive. And so I, I'm still well. I'm still uh, uh, optimistic about this offense. I really want to see how it adapts to the new pieces that they have, and whether they really did adapt with that O line, because that might still be their Achilles heel, and, and people might just keep making them throw short. And you can't have Kyler win all the time for you. Uh, maybe he can, but you know you don't want to bet on that. I want to see them play somebody different because I'm just wondering if it's a product of playing San Francisco wanting to get the ball out quick. Yeah, uh, Kyler yeah. averaged 4.8 air yards per throw. I mean, they were just <laughs> dinking and dunking. A lot of design throws, a lot of screens, the same way they did last year. And I was wondering if that approach last season was just because they wanted to keep the training wheels on and they wanted to protect him. But now you're here in year two. You have new Hopkins. You have, you know, let's see if this offense can come together. And it's the same type of thing. So yeah. I'll be curious to see if they play a team where they're not terrified of the pass rush, if they open things up a little bit. Yeah. Kyler today had 11.58 EPA on scrambles. He he gave, he had more expected points added in this game as a runner than Derek Carr had as a passer. <laughs> Which is just absolutely incredible. I, I mean, they really did lean on his legs. They would not have won this game if it were not for what he did on the ground, just kind of making stuff happen. And that's not, it's a nice little tool. And you'll take that win in San Francisco to start the year every single time. But it's just, it's not a sustainable way to play football. So I just want to see them kind of settle into something that they can actually rely on. And that's just not what that offense was today. What's such a big improvement to a Kyler today too, that he took two sacks but he only lost six yards on him. So that's already one improvement for Kyler as well, is how many yards. Yeah, but he, he didn't have time to take any sacks. He was either taking off <laughs> or he was also, throwing it two and, yards. And they're also throwing it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. They're, they're, I don't think he even took a drop today because it was, it was all quick game. So, <laughs> But that is an improvement because he used to, but he was trying to bail out last year backwards. And so he was losing 12 yards per pop every time he got sacked. So one improvement there. I, w- I will say that with their uh, some of their stuff they're doing. But yeah, that might have just been because they threw quick game 40 times. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. It sure was nice seeing teams back on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAZE, that's my last name, for a limited time, new users can get a free shot and millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on week two action. Enter code MAYS, that's M-A-Y-S, to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code MAYS, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We're going to call this segment, What Just Happened? Because that's the name I came up with and I don't have a better one. So let's start with the uh, the Lions and Philip Rivers just engaging in the same sort of late game pain that we have come to know from them. So the Lions collapse. What just happened? What happened in that Lions game? I mean, obviously there was a lot that went down in the final four minutes, but what do you think was kind of the damning choice either by a member of the Lions or by Matt Patricia in this one? Okay, well, two for five in the red zone doesn't help. I would say that, I mean, that field goal is pretty bad. The field goal goal is easily the worst choice. (laughs) It is. So I'm watching this game and I have just conceded that the Bears are going to lose. It's like, ah, man, you know, what a shitty game. Mitchell Trubisky played bad again. You started texting me. That's how I knew. I I mean, the defense looks like it's, you know, they're uninspired. They're broken, which that happened last year. It's like, oh, man, you know, it's hard to play defense consistently when your offense is bad. I think they're probably just beaten down. They trot the same quarterback out there hoping for a different result. And then up 10, first of all, Matt Stafford takes a bad sack. He took a sack on that drive that if he had not taken it, it would have been an easier field goal. But Stafford takes a sack, and they elect to kick a 55-yard field goal up by 10 with about four minutes left. Don't do that. I mean, there's no reason to do that because you're going to give them a short field, and that's exactly what happened. Yep. 
a couple nice balls from Trubisky. He had Anthony Miller on a beautiful kind of speed out that really took them down the field. And then he hits Jimmy Graham to get them inside the one on a play where he should have been sacked. And then on the next drive, after a really nice play to get an interception of Stafford by Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller picks it off. A gorgeous throw and a really good play call. Going to that play call and trying to get that chunk at once rather than, you know, trying to matriculate the ball down the field, trying to use that kind of, you know, change of possession. Let's get the score now. I like that a lot. And then the game is over and then the Bears win the game. So I think the biggest decision, the the failure in the Lions here was not a lack of aggressiveness. If you look at their play calls, you know, over the course of those final couple drives, it's not like they were running the ball every time. They were trying to throw a little bit. They were throwing some play action on first down. So I don't mind that at all. If DeAndre Swift catches that ball in the end zone, it's a completely different conversation. But I do think the one completely unacceptable, indefensible choice is to kick that field goal. I just think you punt the ball there, you make them go down and score twice from a short, from a long field, and it's just not worth it. The upside there is not worth it to try to get that 55-yarder and give them a short field with not a lot of time left. I agree. And... And going with, with with Stafford as well is that, you know, he took that sack. So it's already your veteran quarterback's taking a bad sack there. And then the pick, I, and like I'm going with off of uh, what you're saying with the aggressiveness. I, you know, they throwing they were throwing on third and six there. I think there was about two and a half minutes left, 240 left. And I believe the uh, Bears had one timeout. So that, you know, if they ran it, they could have burned the timeout. So, but I was actually okay with that. There's a, there's some fine teams out there. There's some teams out there that would have ran a draw there that would have, you know, lined it up and just ran a basic inside zone. They went for it. They were going, they're trying to ice this game and keep it going and just go, hey, we're putting a dagger in you. So I was okay with that. But, you're just hoping your veteran quarterback doesn't take a sack before the field goal and then all and field goal range and then also throw that pick. But it is what it is. That you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. The fault there was definitely the field goal. I don't. I don't mind anything else. I don't think this yeah. is a the Lions don't know how to play late in games. Any of that stuff. I think the field goal was a bad choice and they could not play defense. And then DeAndre Swift drops the ball. We're having an entirely different conversation if he doesn't. Also, I am not ready to kind of change my tune here on Mr. Trubisky. It was not okay. a good game. He did you not play well. He, did, he absolutely did not play well. He looked completely out of sorts for a lot of that game. He still looks uncomfortable in the pocket. It's There's still some issues with what the Bears are doing, even though I think the running game and the offensive line looks better than it did for a good chunk of last year, yep. even though the Lions' defensive line is not very good. Had some creativity. Uh, yeah, the, it was fine. It was Cordell fine. Harrison, I, you know, some tosses to him. I, all right. Oh, I was like, God. okay, okay, it's better you than know nothing. What? And I did like some of the play action stuff because I do yeah. think that's a, the way to get the most out of Trubisky. They didn't do a lot of it last year. We'll see if they keep going to that when it's not in the script because I think early in the game, it's a lot easier to kind of inject those in and not have to go to them organically. But I did enjoy that as part of the game plan. Let's get to Philip Rivers and the Colts because th- it's just kind of the same old story. I The second pick at the end of that game is so brutal. And it's just such typical Philip Rivers trying to do too much stuff. He's throwing the ball way too late, back over the middle of the field. It just, that's what I hope they were going to try to coach out of him. Was Reich just saying, you can't throw that ball and him actually being somebody that Philip would listen to. And I think they're going to be fine. I think the defense was a much bigger problem in this game than the offense, but it is disheartening to see him make those mistakes right off the season he had last year. Yeah, and I mean, he ended up throwing 46 times. And uh, so I'm really curious, too, is how were, were, was Jacksonville loading the box? And that's why, you know, Rivers controls a lot of the line. So I, it's, yeah, I mean, that that's a team that it's weird seeing Rivers with that offense. You know, I mean, with that, how they're built with that offensive line and, and what they're, what they were, have been doing the last couple of years. So it, it was just weird. I, I think I can't really add much more than, yeah, he was trying to do too much and he doesn't have to. And maybe the defense was leaky today, but I do, I do trust that they, they're going to shore up a little bit. I am still optimistic about the Colts. I think it was just one of those weird games. I think and actually, so too. I mean, and actually Jacksonville played out of their mind on offense a little bit. I mean, we'll they talk about really, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Colts are going to be okay. It's just, yeah, Philip, Phillips just got to chill out <laughs> and just let others, others do the work for him that you, he used to have to do everything. I mean, he has 78% completions. He averaged 7.9 yards per attempt. The passing game was fine. I mean, T Y Hilton drops that ball on the sideline. We're maybe having a different conversation if he doesn't also, they turned the ball over on fourth down inside the 10. They missed a field goal. And Jack Doyle, they had the ball inside the 10 in the second half when it was, I think, tied at 17. Doyle gets called for a 15-yard crackback block. Now it's first and 25. They had three drives inside the Jacksonville 10-yard line. They came away with three points. I mean, that's the type of thing where it's hard to win when you're doing that stuff. Yeah. My main issue was how the defense played. 
because Minshew had whatever he wanted to today. And I thought, I know you, you and I have a similar kind of Minshew mindset here where we like a lot of the stuff that he did. And I really was impressed with him today. Obviously, the stats are great. 19 of 20, you'll, you'll take that all the time. But he, with the, when the Colts play defense, they're, the structure of their defense is not dissimilar to the way that the Seahawks will play defense where we're going to play a lot of zone. We're going to make you play perfect football. We're going to make you make a mistake. Because you're not going to take what's there. You're not going to just attack the areas of the defense that you should be attacking. And that's what Minshew did today. He took what was there. He played mistake-free football. And you can beat this Colts team if you do that and make the right decisions. And I just thought that it was good quarterbacking all around. He's just hitting spots in zones. The throw to Shark was really good manipulation where he's faking one way, coming back. He does that stuff well. Between the ears, he's a very good quarterback. And he showed that off a ton today. Yeah, and you said between the ears and also his pocket movement's amazing, yep. and their O-line might be a little eh. So that's really nice to have, and he's used to maybe having that kind of pressure from his Washington State days. And, I mean, the touchdown to Chenault was amazing. I mean, I'm, he I would say amazing, but he progressed really well. They showed yes. the end zone replay. That was the Just waiting a half second more to let that ball go was yes. really, really well done. Yes, and he progressed to it. It wasn't like he locked on that route. He was truly reading it out, and then he came to it. It was, must have been his two, number two read. So it was like, oh, that's so nice. And that route was really nice from, uh, from Chenault. I think I'm saying his name right. But I, I really liked him coming out of Colorado. It was really good to see him doing a 201 level it was a double move it was a, a fake over the ball and then go a continuous crosser and it was really good to see that they're asking him to do that type of route in week one and i mean it was and the touchdown to chark was really nice it was a it was a fake bubble so they bubble yep. pumped to to the slot uh, to chanel again and then just uh, but uh gardner just Minshew just put that ball in the perfect spot i mean it was it's an easier throw you still have to make that throw it's tight space and you have to get it out on time Minshew knows what he is so he is he is going to max out whatever you give him, and when Gruden is Jay Gruden's down up plays like that, that's that can be fun. It's a cool pairing. It's a really it cool partnership because it's I think it's two guys who are underrated just in terms of the approach and the mental side of the game. I think Jay Gruden's a really good play caller. I think he consistently puts his quarterback in good spots to succeed. And when you have a guy who really knows how to play the position, even if he's physically limited, I think you can see some cool stuff. I agree. All right, let's get to a couple more here. Anything else where you were just a little bit a little bit confused about what just happened? Okay, so the Panthers and Raiders had kind of like a fun, goofy game. And yeah, Panthers, weird game. Very weird. surprising in a lot of ways. I, would, I, I can't wait to go back and watch that, but let's talk about one specific yeah. part of it. Okay, so Panthers are down. They're driving to try and go win the game, I believe, or tie, I think it's to win the game. Yes, it is. And it's fourth and one. And they have a healthy Christian McCaffrey, a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, who they've paid a huge amount of money this off season and they hand it off to the fullback <laughs> and it's just, it confused me and I get it. And it might be a look that you saw that week that you really like, but you it's fourth and one and ball game is on the line. You go to your players and you let your players make plays. And I, I, it was, it boggled my mind that that's what happened on a fourth and one. And it was really, that's my, you know, what the hell just happened? It was, I, I was shocked. I was, I really was. Cause I was like, okay, they're going to do something to McCaffrey, you know, dial it up or Teddy, make Teddy throw a quick game, something, something to get this first down and keep driving and a hand to the fullback. So I, yeah, that one, that one got an instant tweet out of me. Cause I was just, <laughs> I was just, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. What did you think of the Raiders offense? I mean, obviously the Panthers secondary is a disaster and they probably will be all year. So I'm not sure how much you can take away, but it was encouraging to see Carr push the ball down the field a couple times. Mm -hmm. You know, they had the really nice touchdown to Aguilar. I thought it was a beautiful throw. And then the one that's just a classic, like deep cross to rugs on that play action. We've seen that mm -hmm. play a million times from every team. But the fact that he was willing to uncork it, I was like, okay. Like, this is good. These are good signs if the Raiders are going to hit their ceiling as an offense. And Jacobs played phenomenal, which I'm not surprised by. He's a really good player. Yeah, and he and Jacobs just fits. He's such a nice all-around game, too. He can type, run any type of run. And, I mean, with that old line, it's just that that's really fun. It's it's the same similarities that we've seen from Gruden and Carr from these last couple of years. I, I've compared it to, if you imagine, a Bill Walsh 1986 
West Coast offense and transport it to 2020. That's literally what it is. It's not like, oh, we use West Coast West Coast plays. It's like, no, 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 literally that split back offense. That's what this Raiders offense is going to be. <laughs> but the thing is, they actually, like you just said, they attack vertically. And it, it was good to see. It, it, you know, they hit at least twice they attacked vertically. And it's like, if we, if Carr can keep them honest and just keep doing that three, four, five times a game, it will allow them that true West Coast to actually flourish a little bit. So you can get those catch and runs and not everyone's squatting on it. It, it was, it was a good performance but you know it's it's panthers d was nothing to write home about so we'll see um it, and it, i'm really curious to too also to see the panthers offense a little bit and see that's something i really want to watch more of uh when i watch film later this week um because i did see some plays that uh that brady ran at lsu uh, you know at a bunch he ran out the goal line he ran 11 personnel bunch play just like he did at lsu so i want to see how he had he's adapted his game as a play caller and a play designer as well a couple more here, just things that I was kind of surprised and disappointed by. The Eagles' second-half passing approach. I mean, it, it was not surprising necessarily to see them struggle in pass protection against a good Washington front when you got Mac Driscoll out there at right tackle, then he got hurt. But I was surprised how steadfast they were in playing that way when it was clear that they weren't able to protect. They were going for so many play action shots on first down even in the second half and sometimes play action is a way to protect your quarterback but the stuff was so slow developing they sent I mean, even the things they were doing it just it wasn't working in concert with one another there was one play where Salamalo came over and pulled the same way you see with play action stuff all the time where he's clearing off the backside but he set up like behind the guard so Kerrigan is already in the pocket it's, it's almost a guaranteed sack and I the Washington was sending so much pressure to kind of really take advantage of the lack of communication. I just was really surprised that the Eagles were like, all right, we couldn't throw the ball deep last year, so now we're going to do it all the time. Wentz averaged 12.3 air yards per attempt in this game. And I do think that that a version of that approach is the way to get the most out of him and this offense. But them just going back to that well over and over again today when it clearly wasn't working, I was really surprised. And it obviously didn't work out. I mean, they were one of the most disappointing teams in week one. Yeah. And, I mean, they have, what, four quarterback guys on that staff too? So you'd think maybe one of them – would maybe speak up and go, Hey, this isn't really working out. So we, can we adapt at halftime or adapt in between series? And yeah, let's, uh, kinda, let's take some completions guys. Yeah. Let's just get it going. Hey, we got a lead. I mean, they stormed out on them. I actually, my first note I wrote was like, Ooh, this might be a rough day for their old line. They might take some sacks. And then that first drive, it was fine. Like they, I think they leaked one, one in and then they scored right away to Ertz. It was first or second drive. Uh, and I was spoiler like, alert. It was not fine. It was not fine. <laughs> Narr- narrator goes, it was not fine. And yeah, so I was, it was, I, you would hope a Super Bowl winning offensive coach would adapt. And that's what coaching is. I mean, it's day to day prep, it's uh, game week preparation, it's scouting your opponent, but it's also on game day knowing what what the, what the hell to do, uh, not just situationally, but knowing what is working and what's not working and just throwing out entire chunks of your game plan or even drawing something up in the dirt or adapting something that maybe you ran in previous weeks. So that's not promising to see. It's like they knew that their line isn't like great i mean it's banged up it's fine they have some nice pieces lane and, and kelsey and everything but it's lane was it's out though up. i mean and lane i think out. you have to exactly. you have to ap- differentiate your approach when you know that you're not at full strength and they did not do you that. have to. i understand that you built this team to do this in the offseason you went out and got all the speed because it was what was holding your offense back but at the yeah. same time i think you still have to be able to adapt and you can't be so committed to this one original plan when it was clearly not working i i, I do want to say before we move on though I was super impressed by Washington's defense in this game. It's a unit that I thought on the back end would be a disaster with all the moving parts and everything else. But credit where it's due. Chris Harris is their defensive backs coach. I loved him as a player when he was with the Bears and the Panthers. I think he's a really smart guy. He had his guys ready to play today. I mean, Moreland broke on that ball so fast on the pick. They clearly knew what they wanted to do, what stuff was coming. And to be able to kind of be aggressive on plays like that and go get the ball while also not getting beat over the top for most of that game, that's a hard blend to hit. And they absolutely did that today. Especially when a team's trying to go bombs away on you. I mean, yeah. you mess up one of those pass offs. That's that's a gash, and and also Deshaun Jackson's flying his wings back into the end zone. So, you know, it it, it was yeah, I agree. It was it was a great performance from there. Front seven we knew it was going to be good, and they showed up today. Chase Young showed why he's number two pick, and I mean, great point. Their DBs played well as well. 
So we'll talk about the Jets being a mess, I'm sure, a lot on this show. I don't think we have to do that today. But I meant all for all the talk that Adam Gase had this week about, God, last year was terrible. Just throw it out. Well, this year looks terrible, too, Adam. You guys did not play well. One more. I was very disappointed with the Browns. I mean, beyond like the fake punt, which is just, God, I don't know. If you're going to go for it, fine, because you're the worst team. You probably should go for it, but just go for it then. Just line up and play rather than having your punter try to run it four yards against an NFL team, which uh, that guy tried to run that ball looked like what a human being would look like trying to run the ball in an NFL game, just getting absolutely (laughs) demolished. That choice was not great, but also, are you worried about Baker? He He did not look good today, and it was the same kind of stuff that happened last year and just the stuff that really concerns me. He looks unsettled back there, and that is not what I expected playing in this type of offense. I thought week one, he would at least try that. He's like, no, I'm, I'm planting my foot in cement, and I'm not bailing yes. out of this pocket. And first, second drive, he was already bailing. To his right, it's always to his right. And he just did, he do, does it every time. And it's clean pockets, too, just like he did last year and the year before. And yeah, I thought he'd have some improvement. Uh, I mean, especially with Stefanski there. That that I am concerned. Short answer. Just I am, holding I am the ball, patting the ball. I mean, again, it's yep. week one. I don't want to overreact to anything, but I was really hoping he would just look more assertive. The pick was so. Wo- the pick was bad because his footwork was so bad. Like his feet were all out of whack, and it's like, and oh, he, he should have thrown another that. one. I mean, the one yeah. Malik Harrison had that tip ball uh, later on that one drive that should have been picked off by Chuck Clark. He did not play well today. He looked really bad. And I, if this keeps happening and we keep going in this direction, we're going to have to have a larger conversation. All right. Yep. Before we move on, I want to tell you guys about a special offer for our listeners. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Our last segment, we'll get through this here pretty quick. We're just going to call it ons and ends. It's a couple things that don't fit in you know whatever else we're talking about, but we wanted to hit just because we thought it was relevant. And I think this one, you know, the most important odd and end from week one here. What were your first Joe Burrow impressions? You know, I, I saw what they were trying to do a little bit with him and the fact they were trying to make it. They ran some of the LSU RPOs at uh, a bunch formation that everybody, you know, has ogled over this past year. And what that is, is they, they line up a bunch out of 11 personnel and or three receivers. They're running a run play and then they run a glance with one of the receivers, usually the X receiver, the lone guy. And they did it to AJ Green. I saw it at least once. It might have been twice. So it was like, OK, so they're at least sprinkling some of his stuff in. It seems like a little bit what Zach Taylor is doing. It's a little bit of throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Which uh, is fine. Which is I'm completely fine with. Because as long as the stuff's sound, it's okay. It's the stuff when everyone gets a little gimmicky and they're just doing shit to do shit. That's when the stuff unravels, as we saw with the Browns last year. This one, it was at least sound stuff. So I'm okay with it. And yeah, I don't know. I, I really want to watch it. Uh, that was it was a weird game overall. Yeah, uh, but I, thought I thought he was fine. I mean, I don't think there are a ton of takeaways. A lot of dink and dunk, a lot of underneath, him getting the ball out of his hands. I mean, they, they did not try to push much down the field. I think that it's a young quarterback. They're trying to keep him safe. That offensive line is not good. I mean, no. Bobby Hart had his hands full with Joey Bosa today. That will be a trend for them this year. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, they could have won that game, which is really funny. Yeah. But I AJ not Green a lot to okay. take away. 
Yeah, he you looks, know, looks, so, looks so okay. Fine. Adrian Green's yeah. back in. He's yeah, fine. I think they'll be okay. I, I just yeah. think that week one, they're clearly trying to wade in here pretty slowly. They'll have some Couple game more where they quick upset things. somebody. Yeah, all, absolutely. I think they'll be it. fine. He, he, he didn't look bad. I mean, he looked... Yes fine and i think that's exactly what you'd hope for uh, a couple more <laughs> things here big week for the fox scorebug i you oh. and i are in agreement on this it looks great great as soon as i saw it for the first time i was like ooh, that's a nice little design overall i thought that the broadcasts were not as weird as i expected them to be yeah I, I agree with that. Actually, that Bengals game, the crowd noise was like, actually, I felt I was like, oh, the crowd, oh, the crowd's getting into it. And I was like, oh, no, that's 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 pumped in a little bit. But I actually unless uh, it was extra points and field goals. That's when I would just get taken out of the fourth wall would be broken a little bit. All of a sudden, it was just that would get kicked. And I look up and all of a sudden the stands, it was just emptiness. And I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. They're so playing the one and- part where that did have a huge factor. And I thought maybe this is anecdotal. There were way more hard counts and uh, neutral zone infractions and everything else in th- yep. this week than I can remember in a really long time because it's so clear what the quarterback was saying. I'll be curious to see the numbers on that, but it did, did it seem to you like that was a bigger part of these games? Yeah, a huge part. That That's something I really want to touch on because, I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers right away was like, oh, oh that's yeah, always going to happen, though. I'm on the road in Minnesota and I get to use hard counts. This is great. You know, so I think veteran quarterbacks are going to be the ones that utilize it more just because their heads aren't spinning and then, you know, other stuff, you know, other teams, the quarter or the coordinator might control the snap count. So, but I think some of these veteran guys are going to get a lot each week. But on the flip side, there are going to be some 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 jump snaps by the defensive line. They're going to get some quick hitters. You know, some that guy's going to beat the tackle before. The, I mean, right as the ball snapped. But these veteran QBs are going to take advantage of that, and it's going to happen. So that road game advantage, you know, that or some home game advantage that some of these teams' defenses have might be mitigated a little bit against some of these veteran quarterbacks that know how to use it. That was a weird part of week one, but for the most part, felt pretty good. Felt pretty comfortable. Felt like we were back at it. I I mean, our first week one together, but outside of that, you know, it was like putting on like a really comfy sweatshirt. I I felt good. It felt good to be back. It was so nice just squatting, making an indent on my my couch and then getting up (laughs) after four hours and going, I got to eat lunch. You know, that that was a nice feeling. (laughs) It's good to be back. All right, buddy. I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Athletic Football Show. We will be back on Wednesday with our Wednesday show for the week. Until then, please subscribe. Please rate the show on your podcast app of choice. Please visit and subscribe to The Athletic. We have some great promos going on right now. We will be back on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to The Athletic Football Show. We'll talk to you later. This was The Athletic Football Show.